0: Growing up in Pittsburgh, we're not really exposed to how influential we are on the entertainment industry or the creative world and things like that. So we look for outside inspiration because we're not trained to look within and know that ourselves were so dope. But we have a lot of great graffiti writers, we have a lot of great skaters, we have dope tattoo artists, we have good videographers, directors. Just a lot of different things that aren't just music. So if you want to be inspired and you want to do dope shit, Pittsburgh is really the spot for it.
1: Welcome back everyone to Stuck with Damon Young. The show where, because of today's guest, we are officially rethinking our official show policy on Smoking Weed. I don't have anything against it, never did. I've smoked many times, but it just never really did much for me. But again, because of today's guest, I think I have a newfound willingness to continue to explore it and maybe find that new strain, that old strain, that strain specifically for me. On today's very special episode of Stuck with Damon Young, we're joined by artist, entrepreneur, and Pittsburger Wiz Khalifa for a long conversation about many things, including his Pittsburgh accent, The discipline of being and staying a successful artist, parenthood, and the evolution of his feelings about the criminal justice system and abolition. And then for Dear Damon, Wiz and I help advise an artist who wants to know if smoking weed is becoming a crutch or a cure for their creative process. All right, y'all. Let's get it. So joining us today is artist, actually multi hyphenate, and also fellow Pittsburgher, Wiz Khalifa. Wiz, one of the things I want to talk to you about is something that I noticed with your career, also with Matt Miller, now I mean, where you have people who, you know, are doing their thing in the city, but it's almost as if you blow up once you leave the city. And then it's like, okay, once you leave the city and blow up, and I remember this happened with August Wilson, where he didn't blow up until he left Pittsburgh. Then after he left Pittsburgh, it became a national name. The city of Pittsburgh embraced him a bit more. Was that your
0: experience, or can you speak a little bit about that? It was close to my experience, but not really. I had worked for a long time to establish myself with the resources that I had. So at the time I was in high school, you know, just recording at ID Labs. Mm-hmm. And um, my management team was Dan, Huggy, Chad and Benji. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we would take trips up to New York and things like that. But there was no permanent situation outside of Pittsburgh. Everything would be like trips away and then come back. And that was the main workflow at the time. And uh, that was all the way for me until... After Cushion Orange Juice and pretty much Rolling Papers was the first album that I did where I was away from Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. But um, the majority of the buzz that I had gained, you know, like through the Internet and just establishing Taylor Gang and for myself, I was still in Pittsburgh, but I was just traveling a lot, going to different places. Yeah.
1: And that's what I mean, though. It's like you have begun to establish like this national name, you know what I mean? And then it became like, whole shit, this nigga's from Pittsburgh. Right. Like I had heard of you and this is, you know, going back to the early odds, whatever. And I didn't even realize you were from the Berg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the same thing happened with Mac where, you know, I heard his music, I was familiar with him, but I didn't realize he was from the Berg until I did some more research. Like, shit, this nigga's from Pitt. He went to Autodice. Mm-hmm. Now he used to hoop against Dice. He used to hoop at Autodice. So, you know, and I don't know how true that is with other cities where the artists gets the embrace in the city and then kind of blows up nationally where in Pittsburgh, it seems like it happens more in
0: reverse. No, I don't think that's just Pittsburgh. I think that's just naturally like being an artist or being a creative or anything like that. I feel like the people that you go to school with or see you in your regular form, they're not going to rush to be excited about this character that you're creating. And that's pretty much what we come up with when we're, artist or whatever, we're you know, we're known for what we're known for as a regular person, but we're creating this character. So outside of the city people don't know us. They don't they only know the character. So that's what they're able to associate music or their first experiences with. But people inside of your city, their first experiences which you are at middle school or elementary school or so it's hard to separate that and make them attach the music to it. But um You know, after a while and after just putting in work and, you know, people respecting your craft and seeing that you are accepted other places, I think it it does help and it does validate you as an artist. You know, I think it's just all part of the process. I don't think one or two is completely necessary, but it does help when you travel outside of the city and and, uh, get that validation from from other areas. Yeah, the validation matters. And to your point is the creation of a character.
1: And it does make sense that, you know, people who have been with you, who remember you in different contexts, you know, might be a bit more slow to embrace this new character as someone who is meeting you as the character for the first time. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't know you. They know Wiz. Whereas people who know you have to actually come to get to know the character that you created. Right. Right. But, you know, and I think it's not necessarily unique to Pittsburgh. There's also a bit of a self-consciousness sometimes with the city where it's like, you know what? I think this nigga's dope. I think he's doing this thing, but I'm going to wait. <laughs> I'm going to wait till someone in some other city give him a cosign before I jump out there and cosign too. You know what I mean?
0: From my personal experience, it's just, it was hard for Pittsburgh to find their own identity and everybody had so many different things that they gravitated towards. So it was hard for people to identify what they really, really like or what they don't like. It was all over the place and it still is a really big mixture. So it's hard for people to, you know, just put a finger on what one or two sounds that they identify as what Pittsburgh is or this side of the city or what this generation is. It, It always develops and it always changes. And I think it's just up to the creatives and up to the artists to kind of guide that and just shift it in whichever direction that we feel like it's going to go. But there's no real shortage of it or shortage of acceptance of it. It's just really pushing it out there and being confident about it. And speaking of that Pittsburgh
1: sound, or I guess the lack of a sound that's associated with Pittsburgh, right? There's a Pittsburgh accent. And I I know that there are artists who have left the city who have had like a self-consciousness or an embrace of uh, that unique accent that comes from Pittsburgh and that you could hear it in your music. You could hear people who have left here, been away from here for like 20 years and you could still hear it. What's your relationship been like with that?
0: I think just early on, uh, it's easier for Pittsburgh artists to like emulate whatever they hear, mm-hmm. whether it'd be like the earlier cats who sounded more East Coast, and more New York derivative or you know you have some I mean some dudes who sound like they're from down south they talk like they're from freaking Louisiana sometimes or some shit like it's just the inspiration Mm -hmm. and for a lot of Pittsburgh artists they they get inspired and they go deep into that as opposed to just sticking to what they do or what they actually know so it might be easy to go away from like your accent or your words that you would normally say but the more that you go into it and that you identify yourself with that, you figure out that that's what will set you apart from everybody. So I think it's just really like trial and error. And like that comes with being an artist as well is just trying the things that you look up to and then figuring out the things that you don't even know exist at at certain points. And I agree with that. And I've
1: had that bit of a self-consciousness with my writing and the center of the literary universe is New York City. And so there have been times where I've been like, not necessarily compelled, but anxious about flattening out the Pittsburgh of me, and I got over that because it's like you know the Pittsburgh thing is what makes me unique. Yeah, because there's a bunch of niggas from New York City, a bunch of niggas from DC, a bunch from Chicago, LA, whatever. But Pittsburgh, our own language, our own accent, our own references. You know, the Kennywood Park, the David Shue song. I mean, we got them. You know, what I mean, and any young person who's trying to do art coming up, you know, I advise them just embrace where you're from.
0: Yeah, I think um, growing up in Pittsburgh, we're not really exposed to how influential we are on the the entertainment industry or the creative world and things like that. So we look for outside inspiration because we're not trained to, you know, look within and know that ourselves were so dope. But we have a lot of great graffiti writers. We have a lot of great skaters. We have dope tattoo artists. We have good videographers, directors. Just a lot of different things that aren't just music or being in the studio or, you know what I mean, being in front of the camera. So if you want to be inspired and you want to do dope shit, like, Pittsburgh is really the spot for it. A lot of people don't know that. So the more you start to know that and understand and the more knowledge and you start to figure out how much behind-the-scenes shit happens from people from Pittsburgh, you start to be like, oh, OK, well, I got it. I just got to bring the, the energy and the flavor that I'm blessed with and that I know and that will cut me from the rest of the people that was back home and separated me from them. You know what I mean? I still got love for everybody, but clearly I'm different. So it's like if I can make it out of that, then I can make it anywhere in the world.
1: Now, who were your influences like in the city? you know, in terms of people that you, when you were coming up and thinking about, you know, becoming an artist?
0: Man, it was a ton of people. There's so many people, like, that if I started naming names, I would miss names. Mm-hmm. But, like, the main people, though, is, like, DJ Huggy, Sharon. Okay. Government, Woozy, uh, Scorcher Hot. Yeah, see, I didn't even want to start naming people because <laughs> then, it's, then it's just, I'm, I'm going to start losing out on people. But, like, those are some of my real close People who I was like in the studio with coming up with in ciphers with like battling and shit like that. You took it
1: back with woozy of Scorching Hot. Yeah. You know, the Scorching Hot, I remember those mixtapes. Yeah, yep. Wow. (laughs) You know, shifting gears a bit. I know that you've had a nuanced relationship with marijuana, right? You've gone from someone who has been arrested for possession and now, you know, you have your own line. Has that relationship, I guess on both sides, where it wasn't legal and now it's legal and you're able to take advantage of it, has that relationship influenced your thoughts about abolition, you know what I mean about like people who might have gotten caught up for stuff and and now you see people making millions of dollars for the same shit that people was locked up for today, you know what I mean so has that influenced your feelings about? incarceration and abolition in any context?
0: Definitely on both ends, as somebody who's gone through it and as somebody who's made it out of it, I just look at it as, you know, anybody who's in that situation or was in that situation, whatever previous laws or, you know, fucked up things, put them there. You can't change that, but you can always change where you're moving forward from it. The more you learn about it and the more you educate yourself, the better off you're going to be it's one thing to just say what you should be doing or what you deserve. And it's another thing to really go out there and get it. And the way that the industry is set up now is for anybody to really put themselves in a position to be at the top or the higher level, just by you know learning and getting in the game and really uh, doing it the right way. And that's my advice for everybody is to just figure it out your own way and try to do it the right way. So those things aren't really problems anymore because, yeah, they were problems in the past, but they're not issues anymore. And I've been through it. I still get profiled and a lot of just being a, a black business owner, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that I go through on the financial side that people may or may not see, but it's worth it in the long run. So you just got to stick in there and know that this it's a fight. So if it's worth it, you'll put up the fight and You know, we're going to be billionaires just like the other cats plan on being. They're not going to, you know, just get us out of there. We got to stick in there. We got to stay smart and stay educated about it. How did you get into it? What was the impetus that made you decide, like, you know what, let me get on this side of it? Um, I started with genetics with burner. He kind of just introduced me to the game naturally from my love of it, of good weed and enjoying the lifestyle of being stoned and not just, you know, getting high like majority of rappers, but really being in love with the plant mm-hmm. and trying to provide the best experience for people through the plant. You know, we've seen how valuable it was as far as marketing, because there's nobody who was able to do it on our level, but also there's nobody who really loved it as much as we do.
1: And, you know, obviously you're someone with a name, you got, you got the money, you got the backing, you know what I mean? You could put your face on a product. People are going to pay attention to it. And so how would you advise someone who maybe doesn't have that same sort of status, but is interested in getting into this business? Like, what would you tell them?
0: Even if you do have that status, um, that's not what people are concerned with. People are concerned with the product Mm -hmm. and um, the best product is going to win. And that's what I always made sure is that product was the best It's based off of my personal taste and what I like. But I have really good taste. So it's the highest of the high. And the marketing goes with it because I'm great at marketing myself. Nobody else can put up a plan or Mm -hmm. come up with a scheme to make people want to buy into things that I'm doing better than I can do myself. And it's something that I've been working on for 10 years plus. So anybody who wants to, you know, get into it, just know that it takes a long time, a lot of work. It's not going to happen overnight. And the best product is going to win.
1: I mean, you spoke a bit about some of the challenges you face as a a black entrepreneur in this space, you know, unique challenges that some of the white boys and some white women or whoever non-black people in this space haven't necessarily
0: faced. Can you speak to some of those? I mean, just purchasing stuff with money through bank accounts. Um, They look at it as me owning weed companies and buying property or other businesses with this marijuana money, and they don't really like that. I was also curious, too, about like, I'm going to
1: get back to the question about abolition. Do you consider yourself an abolitionist now? No, but do I think I'm considered one? Yeah. OK, can you break down the distinction between being considered one and actually being one? I don't
0: consider myself one because the work that I do is personal. OK, but I feel like I'm considered one because the work that I do expands very large. So, OK, I can't help it. I also, you know what I mean, just wanted to talk to you about
1: just, and you see this with people who, particularly people who have to be on stage, have to be in front of people, where there comes a point in your life where you have to be more mindful about taking care of your body, taking care of yourself, working out, getting in the gym, sleeping right, all of that. Now, is that something, now I know that's something that you've been into. Was there like an impetus for that, like a a thing that happened or was this just a progressive thing that you saw Like, you know what? If I want to continue, if I want to extend my career, you
0: know, I got to be in better shape. No, for me, it was just like you get older and your body just starts to tell you different things. Your mind starts to tell you different things. Shit happens that you don't even know for any reason. And I feel blessed to be in my 30s and still have new inspirations and things to wake up to be excited about because I feel the same way about music, but I've been doing music for 20 years. So I had those feelings when I was in elementary school or junior high school and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I still love music, but you get to a point where you still want new challenges and you want things that are goal oriented and lifelong. And, you know, for me, health and fitness is a, is a lifelong goal. And it's something that I'm can get better at every day. I can learn more at every day. Mm -hmm. It's something that challenges me. It's something that makes me accountable It's something that disciplines me. And these are all things that you need. The older that you get, the more successful that you get. And a lot of people, they have somebody who sit them down in a corner and tell them, you need to do this. You need to do that. But I'm a boss. I tell myself what to do. So that's what happened. And you mentioned finding new inspirations.
1: And I'm curious, not just with music, but what are you reading? What are you watching? Also, what are you listening to? What are you doing? That's like, yo, the shit is dope. This shit is inspiring.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mainly my inspiration comes from my kid. You know, he's 10 years old. So everything that he does is hella fresh. Mm-hmm. It's hella new. It's, he's on TikTok. He knows all the dances. He knows all the trendy shit. So I'm able to keep up with that. Whatever movies like he, I let him watch, you know, adult movies like rated R shit. So we go see scary movies together. It keeps me up on all of that new shit. So that's really my inspiration is just life, man. Like mm-hmm. I write based off of my life. I create based off of where I'm at in my life. And if I'm having you know light or trying to do this, I'm really enjoying life, and that's just inspirational in itself. I'm happy to hear that for real. So how do you find that
1: discipline? You know what I mean? Because I I guess you know that sort of discipline to you know to start a business, to be organized, to take care of yourself. It's not necessarily what people think of or associate with with artists, but you are someone who has managed to basically not just run a business, but be a business, right? So how did you develop that?
0: Yeah, I just, you know, I'm very appreciative for what I have and I'm super aware of it. I worked really hard to get here and a lot of it was just by natural talent and, you know, really good intuition and a lot of hard work. And just knowing that people look at me as a legend, you know, just for what I've done musically in the game, I can see past that, I can see further than that. And I don't see all of my worth just being in the studio. You know, I'm really, really good in the studio. I'm super dope in the studio, but I don't see all of my worth being there. So I train outside of the studio to be worth the same amount on the outside. And I look at myself like you said, as a business and not just an artist. I look at myself like how the billionaires are, the people who run the companies and being aware of that and aware of where artists fall short, where they just let certain people handle certain things or they just party and get fucked up and be creative and let other people make billions of dollars off of them while they're happy with millions. I made the millions, but I'm not I mean, I'm happy, but, you know, I'm not satisfied with knowing that I could do more, Mm -hmm. you know, with doing more, you have to bring more out of yourself. So that comes with discipline, going to sleep at a certain hour, getting up at a certain hour, doing certain things that make you separate you from just being an artist or just being a legend in the game as somebody who did something music wise You know, I'm going to be in this for a very, very long time Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be looking good while I'm doing it. So it's all pushing me on to to the next level. Everybody, the best is yet to come. I feel
1: you. And, you know, I, I guess also wanted to ask, like, because some of that same discipline, right, is required to be a successful artist, particularly a successful artist coming from Pittsburgh. I'm sure you've, you know, applied some of those same properties with your life now. But are there any distinctions between, I guess, the discipline required to be an artist and a discipline required to be with Khalifa today?
0: Nah, man. Honestly, I think there's a huge difference because it doesn't require discipline to be an artist. You could be homeless and be the fucking greatest artist in the world and have a good team behind you and nobody ever even know. hmm Art is art, it just comes from pain, it comes from whatever, like, you know what I mean? The discipline is what I'm talking about, is like to run the business and to be bigger than the artist, the person who actually is in charge of the artist. And like I said, I'm my own boss, I'm in charge of myself, so I don't ever wanna be in a position where I'm at a commission and somebody's able to do something for me that I'm not able to do for myself. And as my career grew and as it lengthened from, Five to 10 to 15 to going on 20 years, you know, the routine just has to change. And as a musician, I did a lot. I did a great amount of stuff, just natural talent, you know, waking up, going to sleep, staying up all night, partying, blah, blah, blah. But now is the more disciplined, the more structured version of that. And it's going to make it last longer. That's why a lot of artists burn out early because. don't really understand like you have to protect that art too and you have to rebuild it and you have to treat it the right way and that's what i'm doing as you know for myself personally and Mm -hmm. business-wise now shifting back i also wanted to ask obviously you know marijuana is legal
1: and there's and and there's also there's more education and more knowledge about the positive effects of it in, in the positive effects on it and the positive effects on just not just mental health but sometimes even the creative process. Now, were those things that you were aware of before it became legal and before you became more educated about it, like the actual positive effect it had on on your body, which went past just it feeling good?
0: Nah, I really wasn't. Just coming from Pittsburgh, we had never been educated on how we can affect people or the best parts about pot we just knew what bad weed was and what good weed was. We was in search of the best weed. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me uh, personally, my relationship with it was only through music and just chilling with the homies. So that was just my way of like, you know, hearing instruments that I never heard or just paying attention to arrangements. I would just zone out and listen to different music and just hear how songs were arranged. And that's kind of how I learned how to write and structure things. And I think anybody goes through that, whether it's when you're stoned or, you know, on your own. But uh, the weed definitely helped to bring that out and to, you know, help me have a different type of relationship with, with music. How old were you when you started smoking? I don't really say. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's just
1: say 15 years. Cool. All right. Let's put it at that. Down. Yeah, yeah that's, that sounds all right. All right. <laughs> well, aside from the fact that it makes you money today and you have a
0: business around it or has it changed at all no it hasn't changed all.
1: okay it's still as much a part of your creative process it's still a part of you know and we haven't really talked about the mental health aspect yeah is it something that assists with any anxiety or any mental health you know issues does that help you calm down does it help you i don't know relax
0: yeah well first off i just love pot like that's the the original thing that's that's number one (laughs) i love pot always have always will um i love the plant Um, it's just a beautiful living thing but for me yeah it calms me down it relaxes me and yeah i feel like throughout the years it 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 had a lot to do with the level-headedness but i'm not a really you know anxious or high-strung person that my reactions would be different if i wasn't on pot but You know, I feel like if everybody had something that was productive, that helped them, that wasn't bad for their health and that could, you know, make them happier, like pot, you know, if they could function on weed, it would help out a lot of people. So that's why it's good now, because people are figuring out the dosages that are appropriate for them. So, you know, while I might sit down and smoke four joints, you might need to only take two hits or something like that. So it's just figuring out. The responsible use, the same way that anything else is given out or figured out. So that's where we are with it now. And I, I like that part of it is everybody figuring out their own way to smoke pot, and not trying to smoke it like everybody else.
1: I mean, do you feel like a guru? Like people could come to you, you know, if, you, if they need some advice or they need some.
0: Yeah, 100%. The shaman. It's a shaman, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me.
0: Right. For sure.
1: <laughs> Well, I appreciate you coming through. Where can people looking for you right now? Where do you want people to find you, or do you want people to find you right
0: now? Yeah, I do want people to find me. I'm I'm really really interactive on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Look at my Twitter. All my socials are just Wiz Khalifa, regular Wiz Khalifa. So Mm -hmm. Instagram, I do a lot of fun videos and shit on there. TikTok, I'm just now starting to, you know, engage more and shit like that. I feel like that's really fun to go back and forth with the fans and like get them involved with doing shit. So, you know, if you're a tailor and you want me to repost your shit, TikTok is the best place to get me to see you and then I'll repost you and then you get your clout off of that. But if you want to talk to me directly, Twitter for that. And if you just want to see me flex, IG. All right. Appreciate you, man. So up next, Wiz is going to stay
1: with us for Dear Damon as we help advise someone who is trying to figure out if their marijuana smoking habit is an addiction, if it's a crutch, or if it's a cure. Or something that helps their creative process. So stay around for that. But before we get there, Damon Hates. All right. so last week i was with my kids and we were leaving somewhere i'm not going to say exactly where and as i got outside i saw that my car was being um booted like the boot people were literally right there putting the boot on my car and when they do that in pittsburgh they also put a big ass sticker on your driver's side window letting the entire world know that your car has been booted because your ass ain't paid a parking tickets so I'm actually a little confused because I don't even remember the last time I got a ticket. And when I talked to them, this actually is stretched back to like pre-pandemic. So I'm there. And again, the boot people are literally right there. They just put the boot on my car. And I try negotiating. I'm like, I'll pay right now. Doesn't matter, et cetera, et cetera. Just let me know how much I need to pay to get this off. And they're like, no, we can't do it. You have to go to the main office and physically go there in person to pay. So they give me the number to the office. I call the office and I'm like, yo, they are literally right here. Just take my information over the phone. I will pay it right now. So they could just take it off right now. And I'm not inconvenienced more than I have to be. In fact, you know what? I will motherfucking cash app you. Whoever works there, I'll cash app you the money. If someone has to be there in person, I will do that. Just so this can happen. And they were like, nah, you have to be there. You have to come out there. You have to be here in person. Now, this happens at about 520, right? And everything closes at six. And so I was fortunate enough that my wife was nearby and was able to give me a ride out there. But it's just, that experience is another reminder of how the criminal justice system is intentionally set up to inconvenience and harm people who are vulnerable economically right because if i didn't have the money or if i was in a position where i wasn't able to get out there in time then okay my car is going to have to stay there an extra day maybe over the weekend that's another extra i don't know fifty dollars a day hundred dollars a day whatever the fee is and so it becomes insurmountable 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 and then it gets to a point where the person just can't afford it and again, I'm, I'm I'm fortunate and privileged to be in a position where I can afford it, but it's just there's just so much. Like these things are branded as like, okay, we make these fines heavy, we make these fines outrageous to disincentivize people from breaking the law and to incentivize people into paying their tickets on time. But I think that's the wrong way of looking at it because these things are actually incentives for them to catch us. They're incentives for them to get as many people caught up in the system as possible so that they can continue to bleed motherfuckers dry. And so I was able to get to the spot, pay the fee, get my car unbooted that day. It hurt having to pay that much money, but you know I was able to do it. But it made me think about all the people, and that's most people, who don't just have that money sitting around and who end up getting caught up in the system and end up getting these charges. They end up not being able to be bailed out, maybe have to spend a weekend in jail, some bullshit, just because they don't have any means. And, you know, it happens. I know Pittsburgh isn't the only city where this happens, but it's just a really fucked up thing that I wish were different. Up next for Dear Damon, uh, Wiz Khalifa joins us again. He's with us for an entire episode. Morgan, the producer. What we got this week?
2: Dear Damon, on your 420 episode, you mentioned not being a big smoker despite being a writer. As a writer myself, I do feel that weed heightens my ability to think and write creatively, but I don't want it to become a crutch for doing so. Is there a balance you found, or if not, what is your advice on balancing those two warring desires?
1: All right, With Khalifa, I've mentioned before that I'm not a big smoker. You know, I drink to get into into the rhythm, get into the mood where my writing, smoking has just never really did it for me. And so for this person who is trying to find the balance between finding that creative rhythm but not using weed as a crutch, what would you tell them?
0: quit thinking so much smoke more pot <laughs> <laughs> all right Thinking too much like oh i, would, I don't want to use weed as a crutch. you already psyched yourself out of even being creative that's my advice now you mentioned
1: before that it's been an important part of your creative process where you're just able to hear things clearer you know what i mean in a way that you weren't without it do you think that your career would have gone the same way if you didn't smoke no
0: no, nah. that was an unqualified. No, because everybody in this industry or in this game, you need a niche or a niche or a thing. Mm-hmm. And I could wrap my ass off. I look cool. I'm tall as hell. But the thing that separated me from everybody else was I smoke more weed. <laughs> I'm aware of it. I'm not dumb. This is business, baby. I agree
1: that it helps to have a
0: thing. It helps to have a niche. Yeah.
1: You know, we talked before about the Pittsburgh thing. Yeah. Right. The Pittsburgh thing matters. Yeah. I could even in my own career as a writer, being from Pittsburgh matters. Like whenever there's an art whenever there's a writer who comes through and wants to do a book event, they hit me up. Whereas if I lived in New York City, if I lived in D.C., there's like two thousand different niggas. that hit up. But you come to Pittsburgh, you're doing a shit with me. And so having a thing does help distinguish you. Yeah. You know, but I do get why that person has that anxiety because I've also started to wonder if drinking is a crutch for me, particularly like the writing thing, or even if it's like a bit of a
0: cliche. I get why anybody would have that anxiety because anybody would. And weed is definitely way better than alcohol. So fuck that shit. (laughs) (laughs) If it's up to weed or drinking, pot all day for shit show. But like. When it comes to being creative, I don't believe in blocking yourself. Like people want to dig so deep or some of your best shit might come when you fucked up. And, you know, it's all about different zones and different. You got to live your life. The creative path is fucking crisscrossed and it's like this. It's not no straight line. So if you try to do like this and be creative, to me, it doesn't work. And that's just my advice for being creative. If you want to be professional, all right, yeah, put the weed down. (laughs) Because everybody can't function. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Or if it's like, you know, being professional and having too many drinks, yeah, all right, cool. You might want to fall back. But creativity, man, I don't give a fuck, yo. Do what you want to do, yo. Go hard. Because that shit might come out crazy as he takes a shot. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is apple juice. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: We're giving advice to this person, right, who has the subconsciousness about whether or not they want to use we as a And I agree with you. I agree that whatever you need to do to find yourself inside of yourself, because it sounds like this person's already in their head. This person's already in a space where they need to kind of get out of that space in order to find that creative space. And so this might help them do it. Yeah. But you don't want them to overdo it either.
0: There's no such thing as overdoing it. You get a chance to do something every day. I mean, as long as you don't like check out, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about getting inspired. We're talking about smoking a little bit of pot. You can't overdo that. It's not possible. <laughs> like it's, it's humanly impossible to to overdose on pot. Like, you can't do it.
1: <laughs> you make a good point. Yeah, 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 and for the person who wrote in who asked the question. You heard from the man himself, Wiz Khalifa, do your thing, get out of your head. If it's writing, if it's music, if it's art, if it's photography, do whatever you need to do in order to get to that space where you'll be able to create and be able to create something that's unique and something that's true to you. You know, some people don't need anything. Some people can just create shit sober. I applaud them. More power than them. Yeah,
0: hell yeah. I look up to
1: them. <laughs> More power than them niggas. That
0: shit's amazing. Hell yeah, that shit's awesome.
1: Some people might need alcohol. Some people might need weed. Some people might need sex. I mean, there are all types of things that you might need in order to get to that space. Even pre-pandemic, I used to hang out at the Ace Hotel back when it was still in Pittsburgh. I would just get the energy
0: mm-hmm.
1: from shit happening around me and Hell yeah. parties happening and people at the bar. And that sort of energy was like this white noise and it helped my creative process because I couldn't just write sitting at home. Yeah, And I think, Ultimately, this
0: question is about finding out whichever process works the best for you because there's no right or wrong. Yeah. And in my opinion, like everybody's not going to sit down and smoke a joint and come up with the best shit ever. Like you might write some dumb ass shit if you just try to smoke a joint and concentrate. But if you smoke a joint, go hang out with the homies, go to a concert, smoke another joint, get something to eat, hang out with some girls, smoke a joint, watch a movie, Bam, you might have a motherfucking song now. Like you know what I'm saying? Like just you're not using the weed as a crush, but you're not being afraid to live your life and really explore to get to that point that you're trying to get to. Cause you're really if you're not doing that, then you're writing about nothing. You're creating nothing. Like you said, you have to go sit around people and get this white noise to actually be living and not just existing. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. A lot of people are just existing. You can't create like that.
1: You've known for years that weed has been a catalyst for you, mm. something that helps you think through and helps clear out the weeds, clear out the mess that might be circulating in your head. But is there anything else that you do that might help develop or help nurture that creative process?
0: Yeah, I would say like my equivalent to your white noise is like driving in my car, you know, just jamming to music. A lot of the times it's when I'm by myself. I could be listening to music that I put on or I could be listening to instrumentals or writing or coming up with melodies. I come up with bars while I'm driving. I'll be like talking to to my notes and shit. It's just something about driving. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is. It just clears my mind and puts me in a space where I can think and be poetic about life and and shit like that. That's one of my favorite places to kind of escape if I haven't done it for a while. Like, say I'm on tour or something like that or if I have a really busy week and I'm just getting driven around by my driver, I make sure I tell him like, yo, don't pick me up this day. Like I'm gonna drive today. Like I I need that shit Mm -hmm. to like really reset me and put me back in the zone.
1: I don't have a driver, Mm -hmm. but driving is one of them things for me too. It's an island. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, you get in your car, you listen to your music, windows up or down, Either way, it's like you're in your own little space. You're on your own planet, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you could just vibe out and just, just zone out and think about whatever you need to think about.
0: I come up with a hell of business ideas like that, too, like ideas for merch or yeah, just how to promote things or release things or ideas for content. Mm-hmm. It's a really good time for me to just think and, and be productive and That's what it is nowadays, too, about being an artist. It's not just the next song. It's like creating a moment or capitalizing off of shit that's happening around you. Mm -hmm. So you have to be sensitive. And, you know, those are times where I'm able to kind of feel things out like that for sure.
1: And again, to this person, it might be weed. It might be drinking. It might be driving. Not drinking and driving. You don't want to do them at the same time. Not drinking and driving.
0: Not drinking. Never. Do not do that.
1: Might be drinking or driving. I hoop. Playing basketball is another thing that helps just jog. I have to do that a couple of times a week in order to just relax and chill and be able to sit down and do what I do. And so it's a journey to figure out what it is. And it could be nothing. It could be one of niggas who is fine sober. Right. (laughs) Right. But I think that that journey it's fun. It's a part of the process too, figuring out, okay, what is my method? What is the routine that is going to enhance my creative process? Yep. As we talk about finding whatever it is that you need to help your creative process, you know, I know that you've also starting to explore like psychedelics, mushrooms on the business end. Now, has that been something that has helped you creatively as well?
0: I feel like mushrooms just help with life. <laughs> the research that's being done with mushrooms is really amazing and and how they help with mental health and anxiety and a lot of things that, you know, even smoking weed, isn't even the cure for. So the fact that countries and states are allowing recreational use, medicinal use, and just doing research in general on mushrooms is really cool. We're in a really good space with that. And, um, I just look at it as a great alternative to a lot of different things for people. That's what we need right now, our healthy alternatives and healthy ways to use them. And the more people that we have that are educated about it and the more experience that we get with it, I'm really happy about where we're going in the mushroom space, but I definitely have my own company. It's called Mr. Caps. And as the laws change, there's a couple countries overseas where they're full on psychedelic mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And then there's some places where the active ingredient isn't in there just yet. So um, you'll see it develop and you'll see people start to learn a lot more about microdosing and um, taking mushrooms and the health benefits of it. All right. And you know, To this person, mushrooms might be your bag, too. Yo, you just I don't really see. I don't really create off of shrooms because I like (laughs) to be social off of shrooms. Like shrooms are good to like be social and then you bring that experience back. But hey, to each his own, you know, you might want to eat an eighth and go crazy.
1: All right, Wiz, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us again. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you, too, man. Appreciate you, too. Have a great day. All right. Peace. Again, just want to thank Wiz Khalifa uh, for just being a great guest. We had a very wide range of conversation. I mean, there's a lot of this conversation that didn't even make it into the episode because we talked about a lot and he gave us a lot of his time. So, again, we do appreciate that. Thank you all again for joining us on Talk with Damon Young. Could have been anywhere else in the world, but you came here with us today and we greatly appreciate it also remember subscribe listen spotify hit the buttons tell a friend share it do whatever you need to do to spread the word spread the gospel of stuff with damon young and again if you have any questions about anything whatsoever hit me up at dear at crooked.com all right y'all see you next week Talk with Damon Young is hosted by me, Damon Young. Our executive producers are Kendra James and Meredith Erringer. Our producers are Ryan Wallerson and Morgan Moody. Mixing and mastering by Sarah gilwell and the folks at Chapter Four. Theme music and score by Taka Yasuzawa. And special thanks to Charlotte Landis. From Gimlet and Spotify, our executive producers are Crystal Hall-Stressler, Lauren Silverman, Nicole Beamster-Bauer, Neil Drumming, and Matt Shields. Special thanks to Leslie Guam. Follow and subscribe to Stuck on Spotify. All you have to do is hit the bell icon at the upper left section of the show page to get notifications every time an episode drops.